Hello and welcome to another episode of the MR Running Pains Podcast. My name is Aaron Saff and as always I'll be your host. My guest today is Kristen Jackson. Kristen is a certified somatics educator. She is also a certified um, personal trainer. So she has a, a pretty diverse background, but um, our interest today is about somatics and what is somatics. Um, Kristen gives us a uh, a good look at what somatics is, what it does, what it hopes to accomplish, and um, I actually just finished a session uh, just before I recorded this. So I'm going to talk about that at the end um, as kind of the wrap-up, and uh, you can catch up with everybody um, then, but uh, I want to introduce you here to Kristen Jackson. Thank you for your time, man, and, and for sharing um, all of the information you do um, about, uh, about somatics and for helping people in the way that you do. So here is Kristen Jackson. Hello, Kristen Jackson. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Absolutely. Welcome to the MR Running Pains podcast. Um, this topic, uh, as I said in our introduction, is about somatics. So Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then what is somatics? Okay. So I'm Kristen Jackson and I am a clinical somatic educator. I'm in the Asheville area now as of about a month ago. I was in Portland, Oregon. Um, so uh, my website is thinksomatics.com. And I came to somatics after I was hit by a car while riding my bike and uh, had a traumatic brain injury and lots of soft tissue injuries and did. And I'm also a personal trainer and Pilates instructor. So I did all the normal modalities to try to get me out of pain. And I, the day after I was hit by a car, I couldn't turn my head to the right. So I went to the doctor, of course, and they did imaging and they said, oh my God, you have terrible arthritis and developing stenosis in your neck. And I said, well, so like that didn't happen in the last 36 hours. Why can I not turn my head? And uh, so they just said, well, you know, do the, do the normal modalities, massage, Cairo, whatever. And some things kind of helped me a little bit. Some didn't. And as a personal trainer, you know, I was like, well, maybe I just need to, you know, work out more or foam roll more or do something stretch more. And uh, so then I came across somatics and that's how I got into being a somatic educator. So you asked me earlier, like, what is somatics? But somatics, there's, there's a, there are lots of somatic modalities. So I kind of call those somatics with the lowercase s. But as a clinical somatic educator, that's the, the big, the capital S somatics. So somatics is addressing how we function from the brain down to the body. So my neck issues and my soft tissue damage and injuries were being approached more as like a structural issue, but the trauma of being hit by the car had made the muscles contract around my neck and they weren't letting go. So my brain was stuck in a trauma pattern of holding my neck very stiff. And no matter how much effort I put into trying to get it to change, it wasn't changing anything. So anyway, so I, by learning about somatic education, I started learning how the motor cortex is sending messages to the muscles and the sensory cortex is sending muscles uh, messages back up to the brain, but sometimes that feedback loop between the motor cortex and the sensory cortex is out of sync. And so by doing special movements of somatics, the capital S somatics, uh, the movements are called pandiculations and we can get ourselves to start lengthening our muscles back to their natural resting length without force or stretching or trying to change them from the outside. We're doing it by sensing and letting the muscles release slowly so that that sensory cortex develops more control of sensing what the true length is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that makes sense. I, you know, I always say it's, uh, people are always asking me like, how do you explain somatics in 25 words or less? It's just, it's, it's a little bit more, takes a little bit more than 25 words or less. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It sounds that way. Um, so, okay. You've got your neck injury. So can you kind of walk us through with what somatics did to help you retrain how to use those muscles and to, you know, gain back mobility? Okay. So there are, 
the, the work that I'm doing is the work of Thomas Hanna, H-A-N-N-A. So it's Hanna or clinical somatics. And what he was researching with neurophysiology is that we respond to stress with reflexes. I mean, we have lots of reflexes that our bodies do instantaneously, not under the control of the brain. So like when we're startled, we contract into the front of our bodies, right? The front of us tightens up, kind of go into that fetal position. When we are in a state of uh, fight or flight, the back will arch and to get us to go forward and get out of harm's way. And then when, uh, when we are injured or protecting ourselves, we bend and twist to the side. So at the moment of impact, when I got hit by a car, I was, I mean, I actually saw the car coming at me. And I remember right before, like actually getting off the saddle of my seat of my bike and trying to go fast to get out of the way of the car. And uh, so I was in that kind of green light pattern, but then I got side impacted. So the trauma of my body getting hit from one side and then flying down the street and landing on my other side made the left and right sides of my body contract. And my head of course got whipped around. So some of these muscles contracted to hold my, <laughs> what my brain thought was hold my head onto my body. And the neck, the neck muscles were staying contracted and not releasing. So, um, so the movements of somatics are, you actually go more into the tension patterns so that your sensory cortex is like, oh, that's that tension that I'm really holding onto all the time. And then with a slow controlled release, you change that feedback loop between the motor cortex and the sensory cortex and what the muscles are actually doing. And neurophysiology that in neurophysiology world, they, uh, it's called the alpha gamma coactivation feedback loop. There, I mean, it's, it's a process of what's going on in the muscles and what the brain and nervous system thinks is going on. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so they basically were, um, looking at which muscles were still reactive, um, from the accident and then trying to retrain the brain to release the tension on those muscles. Yeah. And then the other thing in somatics is that we're not looking at just parts of the body. So, um, you know, body work, surgery, things like that are looking at the place of pain. So even though the tension in my neck was kind of like the red flag of, ow, this is where I hurt. Um, I was, you know, I couldn't walk very well. My feet were in a lot of pain. I had so much tension running up and down the left side of my body as well from that impact of being hit one way and then land on the street on the other side. So I didn't have the natural contralateral movement of walking and running in my body anymore. And that was affecting how my neck felt. So we don't, we don't just work with one part of the body. We work with the, with the whole body. So those reflex patterns that I just explained, you know, the red light startle green light fight or flight or the trauma pattern where we bend and twist to the side. Um, those are full body patterns. And so if somebody's got some kind of issue going on in a part of their body, when they come to me, I don't just tune into that one area. I look to see how the whole system is working. Gotcha. So that, yeah. And, and, you know, I'll, many times we picture like, um, a release, like you were describing earlier, where, you know, there's a physical touch to the muscle to try to help release it. Is that the same here or are we? Yes. Um, feedback of touch feedback is really beneficial. So like as a clinical somatic educator with my three-year clinical training, I do a hands-on component to help clients in person, but I also can teach them movements to do on their own so that they can really start retraining and laying down new neural pathways of the lengthening and more functional movement of their muscles. So touch is good, but we're not trying to, the client is in charge of the movement. So like if they're on my table, the, I, I'll have them contract and I can put a little bit of load into that contraction. So they feel it a little bit more, um, but then they're in charge of the lengthening. And with a little bit of load from me, then they can really feel it lengthen a little bit more effectively than maybe if they did it on their own. So. And, and by lengthening, is that pushing? Uh, so for instance, if there was, let's say the right side of the neck um, I'm not sure which side yours was bothering you on, but let's say it was the right side of the neck that had contracted and you needed to release that. Would it be kind of 
kind of stretching the head towards the left. Is that what you're talking about to open it back up that pathway to stretch it or open it or elongate it? Uh, no, we're actually contracting more into the tension. It was on my right side of my neck. So, at, so, um, so I, you know, with the contractions of the neck, but also in the torso, I was contracting my whole spine into a pattern and then slowly releasing to where I come to neutral. Cause when, um, I mean, now science is really showing that stretching muscles, like pushing muscles and past their, their length can give you kind of temporary relief, but it doesn't neurologically change the length long-term. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I could give you, so, you know, it's interesting, like with the neck, um, as an example, like I get a lot of clients with scoliosis mm -hmm. and if it's, if scoliosis is idiopathic, meaning there's no known reason. So there's no structural reason for the scoliosis. A structural issue of scoliosis would be that the vertebra, one, uh, one or more vertebra are literally out of symmetry from left to right. So they look more like a wedge of cheese instead sure. of, you know, like a perfect yeah. piece of brie, right. <laughs> a round of brie. So, um, so if somebody is twisting and bending off to the left, say with a scoliotic curve, uh, their head is going to tip to the right because their, their vestibular system is always going to want to balance out their eyes with the horizon. So with that contraction and twist over to the left, they still, then they have tension on the right side. I mean, that's a oversimplification of scoliosis because there is a twist right. too, but, um, but that's, that's an example. And so, um, you know, so I mean, I've worked with clients who've told me, I remember the injury I got when I was nine years old, you know, and I hurt my, I jumped into a pool and did X with my body. And I think that's where my scoliosis started because they don't have any uh, structural problems with their, with their spine, their muscles are pulling them into that pattern and the muscles are under the control of the brain. So when you get the brain on board to change everything, then things can, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. co correct themselves and you might not get completely out of a scoliotic curve but you can improve that curve the angles of the curves and then keep them from progressing because as we get older any imbalances we have just kind of get more amplified by gravity pushing us into those patterns right yeah and a lot of times um runners will have um the hemispheres of the pelvis will, you know, either internally or externally rotate just based on, it could be a musculature imbalance just due to strength or, you know, lack of mobility in the, in the hip itself. Um, is that something that somatics can help as well? You know, releasing that pattern because it seems to re be repetitive. It just, it constantly goes back into rotation. You know, it's like you're, you're working on it. You work on your strength, you work on everything. And then all of a sudden it's just, it just turns on you again. <laughs> and you're like, I just worked on all of this. You know? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, running is, I mean, I'm sorry, somatics is great for runners. It's great for all bodies that want to remain, you know, moving freely and from the center. So that's one of the things we say in somatics is running from the working and moving from our centers. Uh, you know, when people run and walk, there should be that kind of contralateral movement through the center. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, so you have the opposite shoulder and hip moving, not just the opposite arm and leg, but opposite shoulder and hip moving in that contralateral movement. But our culture has a sitting so much and taking on repetitive patterns of like how we hold a device or put our hands to our laptops, um, sit in cars, just sit. So maybe somebody sits a lot with one foot tucked under their bum in their chair. Right. So that's, twist in that pelvis, right? So if they do that for eight hours a day, the brain starts to habituate that pattern and then they stand up and they're still slightly skewed and then they run and that pattern is still there. So as they're running, they're almost at strengthening that imbalance again. So when with somatics, you want to start to sense, oh, well, I, I can feel that twist and tension like through my whole body, not just my pelvis, but I can feel how that rotates my spine a bit and moves my shoulders and cocks my head. So then from there, you start to unravel these tension patterns. And with that more uh, 
kind of enhanced somatic awareness because your somatic nervous system is, is in charge of your voluntary control of your body with that uh, greater awareness, then you can start running and well, ideally walk first so that you can feel the two hemipelvises work more as they should and how it ripples through the bodies with the shoulders and the waist and everything. And then get back into running and start laying down new, new pathways of and neural pathways of moving with that contralateral movement of the pelvis. So the two hemipelvises, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it is a process and, uh, um, it's interesting that, you know, like a lot of animals have kind of fixed motor patterns. Like when a horse, a colt is born, it's up and running around in like three, three to five minutes, but humans learn all their motor patterns. So we can learn some really faulty, wonky, painful movement patterns. And so we can, uh, we, and I always tell people, we don't unlearn our patterns, but we can start relearning a better one. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so uh, let's dive back a little bit to um, your um, an educator of somatics. So um, obviously you teach, um, and it, I, I suspect you teach the your your patient or the person that's coming in. Um, but do you also teach others? Um, how to uh, perform somatics? Like, do you certify them as well? Or is it more you consider yourself a teacher of those that are coming in to fix patterns? I am, I am working with, with clients and students of learning about themselves. I'm not teaching people how to become clinical somatic educators. Okay. So I, yeah, I did my, my uh, three-year training with essential somatics under the head of Martha Peterson. So she travels around the world pre-COVID days I did my training in Calgary up in Canada and uh, there are other schools. Um, you know, when you had asked me earlier a question, you said, um, uh, you know, like how do people get into this? Uh, there are schools that will unfortunately certify. I put that in air quotes, certify people to teach movement just online and uh they're teaching other, so they're, te they're teaching teachers how to work with students. And I, I have a bit of a problem with that. I think you need to have more uh, interaction with live people and your teachers. So, That's but yeah. So you said Thomas Hanna, he was the, the founder of, of somatics or, you know, the originator of, of this. Um, when was that? When did he start this? Um, well, he was, I don't know if you're familiar with Feldenkrais. Have you ever heard of Feldenkrais? It's a, okay. Well, it's another somatic modality. So he okay. was, that was Moje Feldenkrais from uh, Israel. Hannah brought Feldenkrais to the U S to start teaching his method. And then Thomas Hannah took the Feldenkrais method and developed it even further. And that was back in like the seventies. Okay. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately he was killed in a pretty bad car accident. Uh, just as he was starting to teach his first round of students to become clinical somatic educators. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So his school still functions and is in uh, Novato, California. So I've been to that school and essential somatics. I've been to both. And uh, so unfortunately, I think it's somatics would be a much better known entity if he was still alive. Um, so it's it's a it's a real bummer that he's not around still <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah uh, <laughs> um so when you went and received your education um and did you say it's a, a certification or what did you term it as it's a certification yeah certification okay um and that was you said uh three months three years three years oh excuse yeah. me so three years um and then what does that so what does that training involve what does that look like what do you have to learn um, first we start with teaching the movements to our clients. So they have their self-care program. Okay. Um, and then the, there are some, um, main protocols, like how we do the hands-on work. So we, we are learning how to address the red light startle reflex, the tension of the front of the body. And then we have one where we're learning the tension of the back of the body. So there's, you know, there's Thomas Hanna really wanted, um, 
no matter what practitioner you went to in the world, you should have a session that looks like this. Okay. Um, okay. So we had to, so we addressed the startle reflex, that fight or flight reflex, and then the trauma reflex, which I'm talking about physical trauma, not emotional, psychological trauma, even okay. though so, sometimes people do get a lot of benefit from doing HANA or clinical somatics for uh, mental and emotional issues as well. So that, so that, th that three-year training is split up into modules of learning those things and practicing. And we do public clinics where we bring in, um, you know, our little guinea pig students to practice on and be observed by our teachers. And then we have other, modal, uh, other modules that are getting into a little bit more nitty gritty. So, you know, like our upper extremities, lower extremities, neck, jaw, skull, stuff like that. Okay. Um, does the, does it ever involve any type of um, tools? Like, you know, for instance, like we have ASTIM therapy, um, Graston, you know, is there anything to that effect or is it basically just, you know, uh, hand manipulation and just muscle, if you will, muscle energy? Um, it's just a client on the, on a table, fully clothed, uh, we can use props to make them more comfortable. They might need something under their head or behind a knee. Um, but we don't really get in, we don't need, I mean, Thomas Hannah really also wanted to drive home that like humans should be able to figure out how to get themselves out of pain. I mean, <laughs> the, we, we've come to be a culture of like somebody or something should fix me, but we, we really should be able to do this ourselves to a great extent, you know, broken bone is one thing, but a spasmy muscle, i I can help people like remedy that in seconds. So, uh, we don't, yeah, so we're not using any, any, um, gadgets or doohickeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, as, as you look up somatics, it's often referred to as somatic practice, um, and, you know, it's, I'm sure people can <laughs> ascertain why, but, you know, if you want to just explain, you know, what, what is it, what is it referencing when we say somatic practice? Um, you know, that was a good question. I think that word practice, you know, people will say, I have like a yoga practice. I have a Tai Chi practice because, and those are other somatic modalities. So somatics is, um, like you're never done with it. You know, you, we can be students of ourselves for our entire lifetime. I mean, some people will take a yoga class and think that they've gotten to the end of it. You know, like, oh, I took, I took yoga for three months and now I know it all. Well, we, we never stop. We can never stop learning about ourselves. We can think we're done, but we're not. So I think if we practice uh, when you're doing somatics, like the first time people do it, sometimes they're like, I don't know what I feel like. I'm so disconnected from myself. And then through practice, they start developing a better connection between their, their brain and their body. So I hope that, I hope that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So when people start doing like, you know, these basic movements that I can give people to go home and practice, they very often come back in or call me, email me and tell me they've, you know, like, oh my God, I didn't realize I was doing these things with my body, but now I do because they, they continue to explore and experience themselves. And, and so, you know, you, you reference that, like they come in and it's basically on a table. If we were to say, um, we would like you to be more self-aware when you're running, is there a way that you can do that as well? Um, and provide cues that they should be looking for while running? Um, well, you know, runners love to run, right? And they will do it no matter what, practically. <laughs> I mean, unless you chop off their foot, they're like, no, I'm fine. It's just a flesh wound. You know, yes. they just keep going. Um, so like I, back in Portland, I watched this woman who had went from being a runner, like I'd see her in my local park and she was running. And then every week her you could tell it was painful. Like she'd start to run and her, so her running periods just kept getting shorter and shorter. And then she would walk and hobble. So she was continuing to like push and force against whatever pattern it was she had. And she wasn't aware of it. She just knew it didn't feel good. You know, she felt like I was going to swear, but maybe I shouldn't, but, <laughs> but she, you know, she, so when you're running, how, how do you feel? Can you feel your center moving? You know, can you feel that rotation through your waist and your ribs and your hips? 
do you notice, like, do you hit the ground harder with one side of your, you know, your body or does your foot roll differently on left or right, bringing awareness to it, not trying to fix it, but just be aware. And then through, you know, the somatic movements, you can start finding that things, those imbalances start to kind of melt away. And, um, uh, but I, I mean, our, like I said, our culture is really more about force and push it through and work hard. Somatics is really about work. Don't work harder, work softer. Cause you, when you go softer and, and you'll become smarter about what you're doing with your body. And, um, that can be a scary thing for some people to do, but you'll be, you'll have more power when you're more aware of how your body works. Um, one of the examples that I try to give people runners in particular is like, if, well, we just had the Olympics, right? So when you see a sprinter running, she runs with her whole body, right? Like she's, you know, chest up and the running is different for, depending on what kind of run they're engaged in, right? Absolutely. But there should still be that movement through the center of the body with running or walking, swimming. Um, so, but when you see like a marathoner towards the end of like, it's just at the beginning of mile 26 and they're just kind of like hunched over and they look like they're at their, their desk instead of like almost at the finish line. So they're, they're shortening to their front and that's how they run a large period of their time. They begin to be starting close up in their fronts. Can they feel that? And that's going to make running harder. So it's not to say, Oh, you need to run across the finish line looking like a sprinter, but the, whatever way you train, the more you do it, the better you get at it, whether it's a good pattern or a bad one. And, and like I said, we are, we sit so much that I see a lot of runners and walkers. They almost look like they're running with a chair stuck to their butt. <laughs> you know, they're kind of their butts tucked under and they're not really getting that full power through the back of the extension in the back of the body working. So if you free up the front into those hip flexors tight abs. We don't need tight abs. We just need abs to engage when we need them to, you know, so not that we want to run with our belly sticking out, but <laughs> there, there needs to be some movement through our center. So if we're tight and rigid through the center, there's going to, everything is going to be harder. Right. So if we pick up these cues when we're out running, um, you know, we're noticing, like you said, that, you know, we're, we're not getting like the left shoulder, let's say is, is not, you know, rotating in. So we're not getting that, that, that movement that you're talking about. Is that, you know, something that they would note, bring into you and then you could help provide some, um, some, some movement or, you know, like, let's work on this and you work on, you know, when you're running, we're going to work on, on doing this or, you know, work on this during that session. Yeah. If I see someone come in and they're more internally rotated on one side of their shoulder, uh, I'm going to try to connect that to the center. Like visually, what do I see? But physically, can they feel what they're doing? Like we see our postures when we see it in a photo or a mirror. And then what do we do? We usually go, we pull on it, right? We're like, I have to get it back where it belongs, but it's going to go right back into its pattern because that's what the brain is really good at. So by doing the somatic movements, and if a client's with me, I will give them some tactile feedback to feel that tension a little bit more. And then with a very slow controlled release and breathing and just settling back to neutral, not trying to force in the other direction. It's kind of like, uh, I had a great massage therapy friend and she describes the work that she does as a cranial sacral therapist. Uh, you know, if you have an, um, a tangled up fine gold chain necklace, you can yank on it until the cows come home, but you're never gonna get it to lengthen out, right? You know, so uh, somatics is almost like that gold chain. You go into the tension, you go into the knots and the tangles and then notice it, feel it, and then ease out of it. And you don't have to go way, way, way out, like try to stretch that chain once you've released it, you just find neutral. So somatics is trying to help um, our bodies, plus our emotional and mental health too, come to a state of homeostasis because every dysfunction problem that we have, whether it's like diabetes or heart disease or pain, it's the nervous system out of whack. It's out of balance somehow. Yeah. And I mean, most, most health issues these days are due to stress and uh, they are, they're, they're disorders, dysfunctions of the nervous system. And you had mentioned breathing as part of it. Is there, um, 
a practice um, for breathing. The somatics have that portion um, that, you know, that they, you teach, you want to use this type of breathing pattern when we're working on this? Um, well, when I'm teaching, I always tell people just, if you get confused about breathing, just breathe. Cause <laughs> I just want people to breathe. Cause sometimes they get a little like, I don't know how to breathe. And then they, <laughs> and then they hold their breath. But um, we do want to encourage people and, you know, especially runners. Like if a runner is more in that red light pattern, that startle red light reflex, as we call it, they're, they're contracting the muscles between their ribs. They're compressing their diaphragm. Um, they're shortening between the pubic bone and sternum, so they can't get a full breath. So we want to, uh, with, with somatics, we first just start off by noticing and having our clients notice for themselves, where does the breath go when they take a breath in? Usually we do it at rest where they get to lie on their backs and just be totally supported. Um, but can they feel the diaphragm expand downward a bit and outward um, with the breath so that you have kind of this sensation of widening through the lower lobes of the rib cage and the lungs expand outward and downward. So the diaphragm, you know, it's a muscle and it, when it's, when you're inhaling, it's on a contraction. So a lot of people, when they take a deep breath, what do they do? They usually go, you know, they take a big breath and they pull their shoulders up and their diaphragm is getting sucked up. It should be expanding downward. So that breathing more with that diaphragmic breath is uh, not only going to help free up some of the tension through the center of our bodies, but also it's really good for uh, um, stimulating the vagus nerve and downshifting from that sympathetic nervous system of the fight or flight to the parasympathetic, where we're coming into a more rest and digest state. Gotcha. And it's, you know, it sounds like, I mean, obviously any, any person, not only any runner can, can benefit from somatics and making sure there isn't some kind of um, repetitive behavior that the, the muscles are doing that could cause. But I would say like, if you have a, a reoccurring injury, one that's just, uh, you know, you've got a history with it, it keeps popping up. It sounds like something that you could possibly look as if there, is there something in the chain that could potentially be causing that? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like it's runners. Well, a lot of people who do things like sprain an ankle, they seem to sprain it the same one over and over again, you know, not always, but, uh, it let's say, so if let's say you sprain your ankle when you're 12 on the left side and anytime you sprain your ankle, your nervous system will trigger the stretch reflex to contract and pull the muscle that pull the uh, weight off that rolled ankle to avoid further damage to the ankle joint or, you know, tear tendons or ligaments or whatever. So that tension that contracts instantaneously that we don't have any control over in that reflex pattern, uh, it stays in your system while you're, sore, sprained, injured ankle is healing. You know, you hobble around for a while, but eventually you're able to put that weight back down on your foot and you're like, oh, I think my ankle's okay. But in the interim, you've developed kind of a shortening tight side and it's, it might be, you know, very little, but then the next time you're out running, you're more susceptible because you're leaning off to that side to roll that ankle again. So that's why a lot of times people, uh, you know, injure the same ankle over and over again. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about like a, a, a typical session. If we're, let's just we'll go back to the, the shoulder. Let's say that, you know, the, the shoulders kind of internally rotated and you've kind of got this closure on the left side. Um, what would a session look like if a person's coming in with, with that? Like, would you work, um, you know, obviously, uh, well, I'll let you explain. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, okay. So generally we try to start with addressing the front or the back of the body, the, the whole, the whole thing, not just the shoulder, um, because an inward rotated shoulder probably has a drawn up opposite hip, maybe, quite often there's a, there's a diagonal tension pattern. So that pattern would be part of what we would think of as the needing the protocol for the trauma pattern, the mm -hmm. bend, the bend and twist. Yep. Um, 
And then, so uh, the client, you know, is going to go through the session. They're going to be, they're going to participate. I'm going to have them contract into certain patterns so they can feel the tension a little bit more than maybe that they're always doing. So when they're, when they're doing a pattern that they're not aware of, we call that sensory motor amnesia. So we're trying to wake the brain up out of its amnesia of what's going on with the body. So we'll do a, um, a hands-on session to address that shoulder. Um, you know, I'm actually going to address the tension that's in the front of the shoulder, um, underneath the shoulder, above the shoulder and on the back of the shoulder. But it's going to be done with the whole body going into certain patterns. Like they're, maybe they're going to bend their body to the side. Um, so I'm going to have them feel the what tension that goes into their waist all the way down to their hip and down into the iliotibial band. Um, so it, again, it's never just going to be one part of the body. But we don't try to, uh, we can't, we cannot do a hands-on session and incorporate everything like the red light, the green light, and yep. the trauma pattern all at once. The brain would just be like, <laughs> oh my God, that's way, that's way too much to handle today. So we, yeah. And then we, you know, then we give them movements to reinforce what they've developed, you know, what they've discovered and sensed on the table to go home and practice. Okay. Um, let me take a, a sidestep for a moment, if you will. Um, our feet obviously are integral. They give us so much feedback. You know, we've got the, the proprioception of our feet when like, obviously we have, um, if you're familiar with, um, hokas, they're the maximum cushion shoe, you know, extremely thick. If we lose that proprioception and we start losing the, the feel of the foot, um, is that something that you work on as well? Like, you know, if they, especially if they want to continue to wear, you know, that's that style of shoe, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, wearing that shoe, but losing that, that feeling, that proprioception, maybe even, you know, some of the function of the foot, is that something you take a look at as well? Um, well, one of, one of the things that uh, a lot of clients will say when they get off the table after a session is like, oh my, and they're, I don't have their, they don't have their shoes on, you know, so they're walking around my uh, studio and um, they're like, wow, my feet feel so different. You didn't touch my feet though. It's like, no, I didn't touch your feet, but their feet start to function the way they're intended because it is integral, right? It's integrated into the whole system. Right. So, I mean, we don't come out of the womb having arch supports. Like we develop our feet with exploration of playing with our toes and figuring out how to crawl and walk. So, I mean, sometimes people get rid of all these things that they think they need for their feet. And I, I am a perfect example. Before I started doing somatics, and probably goes back before I was hit by the car. Um, I was, uh, I was in extreme pain in my feet. I mean, like to tears every day. Cause I love to walk and run. And, uh, so I started practicing somatics and a lot of my pain was unraveling through my hips and definitely through my neck. Uh, and then I had a hands-on session. And by the end of that week, my feet and my Achilles tendons on both feet were totally fine. And then I went from having, having that, you know, cushy shoe world to going into, you know, minimalist shoes and just walking barefoot. Like I, now I hate to have anything that puts squish between me and the ground. <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, but a lot of people are, you know, they want to, they hear that the minimalist approach is good for them, but I think it's better to address what the body's doing before you just try to fix your feet. Cause your feet, I mean, I did all, I did all that stuff. I foam rolled, I did correct toes. And while they might feel kind of good, they did not help my feet. They didn't get better because it wasn't getting rid of the tension that I had in my torso. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Gotcha. Very good. Thank you. Um, so, um, you spoke about, um, like using, uh, yoga as a somatic practice earlier. Um, you know, and that is, um, to, to what extent would you say that would be, um, something that you would, you would say like, you know, this is going to be, you know, a good addition to your, um, to your therapy. Like how often do you refer, say, Hey, I would, I would use, you know, maybe these poses. Do you do that at all? Um, you know, I think any modality somebody is exploring, uh, I mean, what I tell my clients is, please give somatics 
a three-week test and see how it does without putting a bunch of other modalities in there. I mean, I know when we're in pain, we're like, I'm just going to keep throwing stuff at it until I get better. But we don't, it's like, we are our own little science experiment, right? So you can't figure out what your hypothesis is proving if you've got more than one variable, right? So, um, so I tell people, you know, please do somatics. I'm not in charge of you. You're free to do whatever you want, but if you really want to see if it works do somatics for three weeks, walk, you can swim. Um, and then let's see how you're doing. And then, you know, then you can go back into those other modalities and, uh, enjoy them. Maybe you don't need them the way you thought you did before. Like I used to teach Pilates and I used to think that quote unquote, a tight core was just the bee's knees. I don't, I don't practice Pilates that way anymore. I do it differently. So maybe when people become a little bit more somatically aware of like how parts of their body should contract while opposing areas should lengthen, then they can, they can, their, their old practices can become new or they can just shed them because maybe they don't need them for what they thought they needed them for. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, do you, um, um, recommend like how many sessions per week in, in those, if they're going to try it for three weeks, how many sessions do you say we should do this you know, per week? Um, you know, there's no set number of sessions, but I will say that, uh, any good clinical somatic educator should be able to help you. Um, what do I want to say here? We are not in the repeat revolving door business. We, we don't, that's not how, <laughs> that's why I don't think there are a lot of somatic educators because they're like, well, that's a really crappy business model if you're not getting people to come to you all the time. But I mean, I can help people quite often get out of pain, practice their own self-care routine in five sessions. And those can be like once a week. And as long as they are practicing their self-care moves, they should they should progress. But I think it's good to see a somatic educator a few times because the first time you learn something from me, you're probably going to come back next week and you're going to be doing something a little different than what I taught you. <laughs> so, um, and I mean, I see that all the time. People are like, oh yeah, I guess I should have listened to your video. I'm sorry. I wasn't, yeah. I just went down my own little rabbit hole there. Didn't I? That's fair. And, yeah. um, so, um, with, uh, with that typical session, um, is that um, you're giving them the practice and then how often do they, you, you prescribe, say you should do this on a daily basis, you know, the, your, your regimen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, practicing a little bit of the pandiculations, the somatic movements every day is going to keep the brain remembering and learning how to be in this new state of more homeostasis. Right. Um so pandiculations, like if you Google that word, it says stretching, but that's not what we're doing. Um, it's that contraction into the tension pattern, a slow controlled release. And so all animals pandiculate, and that's actually a veterinary term. And it got sucked out of the dictionary for a period of time. And now it's back. And now no one knows what the heck it really means. <laughs> but um, so animals pandiculate all the time. Like when your pet gets up and they look like they're quote unquote stretching, they're actually pandiculating. So they just do it. They don't, they don't, they don't have a schedule like, Oh yeah, Kristen told me I'm supposed to pandiculate today. So they don't, they just do it. We have, um, you know, voluntary control of our bodies and free will theoretically. So we can decide if we want to do it. And uh, so I tell people, you know, you can do these movements that I'm teaching you on your bed, in a chair, while you're staying at the grocery store, and you don't need to, you don't need to get down on the floor and do a full hour. You know, it's great if you can, but if you say, oh, I don't have the time today, do five minutes, do, you know, do a little bit in the shower, do, you know, just a little bit of pandiculating so that you just kind of settle and reset a little bit. Okay. Right on. And, you know, often as runners, it's, you know, uh, well, if once is good for me, then, you know, five times should be even better. <laughs> is, that, is that something that you, uh, you tried to, uh, limit or encourage? Um, well, you know, I would say two or three repetitions of a somatic movement that I give you is going to give you done slowly and with awareness kind of with intention and attention 
is going to give you a lot more bang for the buck than like three sets of 20. Um, that's okay. yeah. It's not physical therapy. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, cause like, as a, I mean, as a personal trainer, like you can work out and watch TV, you cannot do somatics and watch TV because your brain is someplace else when you're doing that. So, so, so yeah. yeah, it needs to be, yeah. The attention needs to be on the, uh, the pandiculation. Correct. So one of the things I'd really like people to understand about somatics when I talk about full body instead of just parts, so let forward head posture, like a lot of people are like, oh my God, my posture really sucks. I need to do something about this forward head posture. But if you sit and just take your head forward, you'll notice that like, as your head goes forward, you can feel a little bit of a closing up in your chest and your belly a bit, right? Can you feel that? I do. Okay. Okay. So you know, PT and stretching will be like, you know, okay, we're going to put your fingers on your chin and push it back and try to address just from like the collarbones up with somatics. We want to put it, you into that full body pattern of the tension in your belly and your chest, which is also making the back of your neck tighten. Cause this can be from like sitting at a computer, right? We sit at sure. a computer and our heads go towards the screen. So the back of the neck is shortening while the chest and the belly is closing up. Not everyone does this, but this is a real, predominant pattern. So with the red light reflex protocol to address that, we're going to have you go into the tension and then very slowly release, feel how the belly lengthens a bit, the chest widens, and then your neck can come back into neutral without trying to force the neck to pull your head back. So it's, and it's a slow controlled thing instead. And then like, as I'm watching you, what I see a lot of people do is they'll go into that tension pattern and then they instantly pull out of it like they'll try to use their back to pull themselves out of the mm -hmm. tightness of their front so i just want you to feel the tightness of your front and then very slowly just release up through the front of the body instead of jacking yourself up with your back muscles so you're finding more of that homeostasis between front and back of the body does that does that yeah. kind of make sense can you feel that yeah. because you're, you're practicing yeah, no, it yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's too while you were saying it yes yeah, yeah. I can tell yeah. that it's even when you told me the second time, no, focus on just kind of lifting rather than just pulling the shoulders back. You know, I can, I can tell the difference when you gave me that cue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So then your nervous system starts to recognize like, Oh, this is what neutral feels like as opposed to, Oh, I don't like that tight slouchy pattern that I usually have. I'm just going to pull against it because you're not right. getting rid of your tension in the front. And just as a little side note, like I worked with a woman who was diagnosed with a torn meniscus. Now, I don't know if she had imaging or they had just assessed it that way. She didn't want to have knee surgery. She came to me and she had told me that in the past she had had um, a really tight low back. And I said, well, what did you do for it? I did a lot of core work. I got really strong in my abs. So she had tension in her back and all they did was tell her to fight the tension of her back by, you know, tightening up her abs. So then she had this very tight midsection, the part of the body that should be part of the rotation. And so her, her, and she had a little bit of the trauma reflex over on her left and it was her left knee that bothered her. I think I can't remember for sure, but, but anyway, she had such a rigid center that it, there was little rotation. She just kind of walked around like a little, you know, robot. <laughs> and, um, so the joint that was taking most of the brunt and rotation was her knee. Like her knee was trying to get her to be, a, or to trying to be a part of her walking and the knee's really not supposed to rotate, right? It's supposed to go. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so anyway, I did a session with her and I did the uh, protocol for the startle reflex. And after that, she got off the table and she's like, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. Like you didn't touch my knee. And I said, I didn't have to touch your knee. That's not where your problem was. So anyway, again, I'm just driving home the point that where your pain lies is a message that something is not functioning well, but that's not necessarily where the problem lies. Yeah. So we want, we want to address the whole body. Cause like, and, and I mean, it just leads me into other side notes, but like I've worked with women who have come to me for pain in certain parts of their body and men as well. And then they tell me that their pelvic floor dysfunction, like incontinence has gone away. And they don't, they don't tell me that part that that's an issue for them because they don't think somatics is going to address it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I've had people come to me from around the country for that because they're, 
that, you know, they hear from somebody that they got better with somatics. So anyway, it's just, like I said, it's all where it were all one big system and uh, no part works by itself. I had bought into and believed about how the body should function really got tipped on its head when I got hit by a car. So, you know, if you're banging your head against the wall, trying to get better. And what I've said today is kind of making you go, Oh, I don't know if I really like that sounds cool, but it sounds so different. Um, you know, give it a shot. The only way to understand somatics is to do somatics. That's a great, great closing there. Are there any resources that you would like to share that I could put in the show notes? Um, you know, or any books you would suggest? Well, there's Thomas Hanna's somatics book. So like I said, his last name is H-A-N-N-A. And so he, his book is somatics. He does, he was a philosopher. So he also has some other books that might kind (laughs) of be interesting for some folks. Uh, uh, Martha Peterson's book is move without pain. Um, But I, I think that things like, like I said, my YouTube channel will help people because you can see it visually, but just, I prefer that people just listen. Don't try to watch the video while you're, don't watch me while you're doing it. Like just, I, I guide so you can do it with your eyes closed. Cause if you're lying on the floor and turning your head off to the side, it's not going to be the same as if you were in symmetry on the back of your head. I'm trying to think if there's anything else right now, but I mean, there are some other YouTubers out there that are putting some somatic stuff up there. Okay. Yeah. Think of anything and you want to email me, I'll put those in the show notes. And even if it's after the fact, um, this is going to release on Thursday. So everybody be, this will be in their ears Thursday. So, um, you know, if it's after the fact, okay, we'll, well the, uh, to the notes afterwards. So, okay, cool. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your people, Aaron. So uh, thanks. Absolutely. We appreciate you sharing all this. You know, it's, it's great. I think we, we've learned a lot here. I don't, you know, I don't know if anybody's really heard of somatics. So this is uh, it's great to share. So thank you very much for your time, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Again, a big thank you to, uh, to Kristen for coming on. Um, that was, uh, I mean, I did not know what somatics was, um, what um, to expect. Uh, so, you know, uh, having the conversation and then going through a session really gave me a good feel for, for what she does. Um, and it was great because um, we started with um, a just a, um, a, you know, a, a photo of me um, from front, side, both left and right and back and just kind of saw where I was at. Um, you know, what was going on, um, head tipped forward, you know, it was, um, I looked, <laughs> looked pretty ridiculous. Um, and then she went through, um, you know, the, just as she described in, in the podcast, um, how to release those tensions and put myself in proper alignment and gauge where my body actually was in space, um, giving me that, you know, kind of that proprioception, if you will, as to where my body should be. Um, and how to get it there, um, and what exercises to do to help in that. Um, super interesting, and, and like I said, um, very helpful, because um, I, I definitely, after we finish, because you, you basically kind of um, use the, the muscles to, to kind of stretch and release, um, and it put me in a different position. Uh, so it was quite interesting to, to go through the session. Um, definitely suggest you know, trying it, seeing, you know, what a session can do for you, especially if you have um, a lot of repetitive injuries and it could just be from, uh, you know, um, uh, someone, you know, muscle um, being stuck, uh, you know, whether it be in the neck or the shoulders or hips, you know, it's, it's good to release those so that we don't have that potential for injury. So it's a good preventative um, as well as, you know, if, if you're kind of stuck in a repetitive movement and it causes problems, this is a way of, you know, hopefully unlocking that and letting the body resolve the problem on its own without having to do, you know, whether it be um, drugs or uh, whatever, you know, to try to resolve the pain or whatever you know, is conflicting you. So check out Somatics. Um, I will put Kristen's contact in the, uh, the show notes. Um, her website is thinksomatics.com. That will be in the show notes. Um, and as she mentioned, she has a YouTube channel that can help you and such, but uh, reach out to Kristen with questions, uh, and especially if you want to have a, uh, a Zoom session. That's all we did. We had a Zoom session and went over things and things that I could do, um, the uh, pendiculations, the, the stretching routines that I could do to, to help my body. So um, check her out. I was really, really pleased to, to learn about somatics and actually um, apply it because I think it's, it's actually going to be quite helpful. So thank you, Kristen. 
Um, on to other things. Uh, the newsletter did come out. August newsletter is out. Um, it's, um, <laughs> I put it out on various uh, platforms, Strava and Facebook and Instagram. And uh, man, a ton of people you know, jumped to the website and, uh, and signed up for the newsletter. So if you haven't done so um, and would like to see the newsletter, if you haven't received it, all of the previous newsletters, including August, are archived on my website mrrunningpains.com. If you go to the um, contact uh, uh, page, you'll see the, the newsletter link. Uh, you can click on that and brings you to another page and all of the um, newsletters are archived there. There's also a subscribe button on the website so you can subscribe to the newsletter. So it uh, comes out on a monthly basis. Um, try to do one per month. But um, newsletters include a lot. Um, a lot of information. Um, you know, I do gear reviews. I do uh, training tips. Um, know just try to put in things that um, videos and um, you know other things that will will help your running and help you uh, in the long run and so uh, please subscribe and uh, and the podcast is also there so um, I've made sure to upload it to every platform imaginable <laughs> so uh, if you are using a platform um, that you know it, that currently does not have it, let me know. Uh, I know there's a bunch out there, so I, I know it's not on every platform, but I've done uh, all, you know, a lot of, of different um, contacting the, uh, the different platforms to get up on them, but um, you know, I'm sure there's more. So if you have one uh, that you want to be, um, you know, you want the podcast up on, please let me know. Uh, and then a huge thank you, as always, to my Patreon supporters. Um, they help me keep this rolling. Um, it's it's um, it's wonderful, you know. If if you're financially able to support the podcast, uh, even a dollar a month, it helps me to not only keep the podcast rolling, you know, and all the costs that are involved with the podcast, um, the newsletter, which is part of my website, which obviously costs money, um, uh, my YouTube channel, um, getting YouTube videos up on there. It really just helps me, you know, do all of the other items that I've been working on and trying to get out and get resources for people to use and see. So uh, if you can support me in that way, I really appreciate it. If you can't, no worries. Um, if you could just leave a review or share it or like it, you know, those all help other people find the podcast. So, um, you know, don't feel you know, obligated to in any way to, uh, to donate you know, or, or subscribe to a Patreon. Um, but sharing and liking and, and leaving a review, that is super helpful in its own way. So um, thank you all that have done either. And um, other things coming up. Um, we are working on a Hellbender podcast. So we are going to do a bi-monthly episode on the Hellbender. Uh, we have the permits all in to all of the entities that have to approve um, our race date for next year which we hope to announce really soon. Uh, we appreciate your patience. I am sorry that it's, uh, you know, we want to make sure that it's okay with all of the entities um, for the date that we have uh, requested. Um, I don't want to just announce a date that, you know, we haven't been approved for, um, but it does take those entities to respond, and they are all very behind on everything that they have to do. So, um, you know, thank you again for your patience. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's nothing that we're dragging our feet on. You know, we are, <laughs> we are really working diligently to try to get that date out and get Hellbender uh, ready for 2022, which we are very excited about. Um, and uh, so the Hellbender podcast, we will be recording our first episode um, this weekend. So um, we will uh, determine what schedule we will launch those on. Um, and um, so um, I will, you know, again, be uploading those to every podcast platform that I can. We have to have one episode um, released. So um, I have to get that released before I can start uploading it to listening platforms. But um, it will be on Podbean, the same um, website that I host the MR Running Pains podcast from. So um, if you're looking uh, to, you know, to get a hold of that first episode, Go to podbean.com and you will search the Hellbender um, 100 podcast. Um, I'll try to put it out on social media and, and such like that so that everybody knows it's coming out. But excited about that. Uh, first episode, we're going to be talking <coughs> with the Run 828 Foundation, which is um, the foundation that um, I formed with um, 
Ellen Stallings, um, she and I back in the day uh, put together this uh, this nonprofit. It is now run by uh, Megan Robinson and uh, a great board. And so we'll be talking to them about uh, the Run828 Foundation, about Hellbender, all of that kind of stuff, just to give everybody kind of a background of, of where everything is coming from, where money's going, you know, what the, the Run828 Run Foundation does, all that good stuff. So uh, I hope you'll join us for that. Uh, so stay tuned for more information on the Hellbender 100 podcast. Um, and uh, other news, uh, you know, after Hard Rock, um, I'm excited to, uh, to kind of get back to some running. Um, definitely, you know, <laughs> still level very high after finishing um, Hard Rock. Um, I did drop from Grindstone. Um, I just did not feel another 100 this year was uh, would be good for my body. Um, nor did I want to train, honestly, for another 100 this year, especially a mountain 100 like Grindstone. So um, I have canceled that registration. Um, also can canceled the um, Tussie Mountain Back 50 miler. I'd rather just keep it uh, kind of low-key and fun. So um, my fall will um, be our local Cradle to Grave 30K. Uh, it's over in Pisgah Forest. Uh, they have just sold out, which is tremendous. Um, I had been helping that race out for a few years, so I'm glad to see it. it's still alive, kicking, and doing well. So um, beginning of September, kind of mid-September, I guess, um, I'll be running the Cradle of the Grave 30K. And then uh, the Naturalist 50K, I'm signed up for that uh, first weekend of October. Uh, the Naturalist, if you haven't checked it out, really cool. They are on Ultra Sign Up, uh, put on by the folks at Outdoor 76 in Franklin, North Carolina. Uh, starts and finishes in downtown Franklin. You run up to Wyabald, which is on the uh, Appalachian Trail. Really cool fire tower up there. Pretty cool hike if you've never been up in that uh, neck of the woods. A race that I've probably signed up for a good two or three times already and just have never run and really want to get out there and check this out and support those folks. So um, looking forward to that. That's beginning of October. And then lastly, for uh, finishing out 2021, I will be racing the Georgia Sky to Summit 50K, uh, one of Sean Blanton, the run bum, uh, one of his races. I haven't run one of Sean's races uh, since before the pandemic. So looking forward to seeing him. And uh, in running that course, I hear such great things about the course. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of come to the, the point where I'm looking at races for, um, the, uh, you know, the adventure, you know, seeing the new course. So I'm really excited about that. And then for 2022, the race that I've put on my calendar early um, is um, the Black Canyon uh, 100K out in Arizona. Uh, it is a golden ticket race, uh, not the point of it. It also is a Western States qualifier. Um, but again, you know, I'm looking for the experience. I've been wanting to race out in Arizona for some time now, so um, really looking forward to that. It would be um, either a qualifier or, you know, God willing, I get into Western States this year in the lottery. Um, you know, it would be a good precursor, pre-warm-up, you know, pre-race for Western States. So look at it as a really good opportunity. Um, so this fall, just kind of rebuilding. Uh, you know, again, uh, Black Canyons, I believe, is in February, so be going out there. Racing that, and then uh, from there, it all really depends on the lottery for Western States as to what goes on from there. But um, super stoked. Been uh, working with Patrick Regan. Uh, we're, we're on the same page, you know, looking at uh, just kind of a fun fall, rebuilding, um, and uh, yeah, just kind of enjoying my training right now. You can follow me on Strava, Aaron Saff, MR Running Pains, if you want to follow me there. Um, ask questions, you know, uh, talk about training. Uh, coaching, I am getting swamped. Holy cow. Um, so many folks um, <laughs> have reached out. Uh, looks like we've got a big fall plan for a lot of people. So I am super booked right now uh, with coaching. Uh, doesn't mean you can't reach out, especially if you're looking, um, you know, beyond, if you're looking for, you know, 2022 uh, or a long-term goal. Really love to, to have that conversation with you. You can reach out to me. My, uh, my contact is on the website or um, runningpains at gmail.com. Um, as well as connecting with me on social media. Uh, again, you can contact me through Strava, um, the uh, MR Running Pains Coaching uh, Facebook page, um, and uh, Instagram, MR Running Pains, uh, any of those ways. You know, my YouTube channel is Aaron Saft, so uh, they're all in the show notes. If you want to connect with me, uh, please do. I uh, just earned my USATF uh, Level 1 certification, which allows me to go on and take some more um, specific courses. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, I am coaching cross country, um, which has been <laughs> really fun with the, the young kids. I'm at the middle school level and just really enjoying their energy. Uh, our season's just getting started, but it's great to be around kids and, and um, 
you know, having that, uh, that young, uh, enthusiastic energy, it's really revitalizing, really enjoying that. Um, as well as my athletes, um, you know, man, they are, <laughs> they're doing great. Uh, you know, it's just so great to see. Uh, I was up in New Hampshire for vacation and went over to see uh, Morgan Elliott and Tori Greaves race. Um, Tori, uh, she killed it. Um, she was in the top 10 for females. Uh, I believe she was either sixth or seventh off the top of my head. Incredible run. Uh, great competition on the women's side. Um, Morgan, unfortunately, had some stomach um, issues. Uh, we were hoping for, you know, a, a top two finish for Morgan, top three. Um, but his stomach just, uh, he, he, <laughs> he ate the wrong stuff for breakfast. Um, he did the silly thing and, and did something different for breakfast on race day and it came back and, and bit him. So unfortunately, uh, didn't have the race he wanted. He still plays top 10, which is awesome. I believe he was eighth male. Um, but, um, you know, I, we know he could, he could have more and he's prepping for, uh, the run rabbit 100, which I think he's going to do just, just fine. Just great. He's got the endurance. He's got the strength. Um, really looking forward to seeing what he can do out there. So, um, really fun to share that experience with those guys be up there at ragged. Um, you know, at times I definitely wish I was on the line and racing at other times. I was like, Nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that <laughs> I'm just watching. But, um, you know, to all those that finished the ragged mountain USATF 50 K national championships, congratulations. Uh, it was quite the day heated up, got pretty hot. Uh, sun was, uh, was definitely out and about and, and, <laughs> and making it warm. So challenging day, uh, beautiful course. Um, so it, it, you know, if you, uh, have the chance in the future, check out the ragged mountain, uh, 50 K it's also a three day stage race, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, for 75 miles, really cool race. Uh, the, they're on ultra sign up as well. So ragged mountain, um, put the, all that stuff in the show notes, but, um, once again, I want to thank you guys for listening, for being a part of this, um, for you know, taking the time to listen. I thank you for all of that, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Uh, on the show will be Martin Thorne. Martin is uh, uh, in his uh, in his mid-50s and still killing it. Uh, he just finished uh, second at the Stevest 42-miler, or excuse me, 50K uh, in Charlotte. It was broiling temperatures, but he still just ripped it. Um, Martin is just a, uh, you know, a great guy. We're going to have really good conversation. Uh, you know, I think we'll probably get into a lot of, uh, of coaching and, and how we've made the coaching relationship work. Uh, cause our dynamic is a bit different and, in, in how, um, you know, we, uh, we go about things. Uh, we are very open and, and communicative and, you know, definitely try new things and let Martin have a little bit more creative control over his training. So we're going to talk about that, um, as well as, uh, things we're working on in order to help improve him and keep him healthy. Um, cause he was getting a repetitive hamstring injury. So lots of things to talk about. Really can't wait for that episode. Um, and so tune in next time until then keep running my friends.